0: Welcome to the Southland Podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. We trust that this podcast will encourage and equip you in your walk with God.
1: Good to see all of you. We are excited about being here. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 34, Psalm 34 and verse number eight. And I got to tell you, just as I was going through the directory, I got no one sits up front. Whoa, <laughs> that changes by the next general session. Okay. I'm just going to come out to you guys and it's all right. All right. So I'm going through that directory and I'm going like, all right, this is pretty cool. Because I started to look at all these camps and remembering things at these different camps. Okay, so let me, I wrote a few things down in the back when I was just sitting back there. So I have seen the stars like no other place I've ever been on planet Earth. And I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. And I got to tell you, I've never seen them like I did at Northland Camp. Now, there's no other lights around Northland within 3,000 miles, so it works out really good, but until you've seen the night sky at Northland, you haven't lived, let me just tell you. But I have canoed Adventure of Faith down a river that there were more snakes than there were canoes, and I can remember canoeing Adventure of Faith, but... I have water skied at Camp Shatek many a times. And I got to tell you, the water skiing at Camp Shatek is unlike anything else, except for the only thing that could beat that, is being in the duck pond at High Point. I have been in the duck pond at High Point at least five times in my entire life. It's always the last day of camp. Well, I have never spoken at the Wilds that I have not gone to the fourth falls. And uh, when I got my two knees replaced in December, my goal was at camp at the wilds that summer, I'm going to the fourth falls. And I did. I've never been to the wilds that I haven't been to the fourth falls. Now, something I didn't enjoy at first until you got to the top at 5.30 in the morning, I have climbed Soldier Mountain at Ironwood. And you haven't experienced camp until you've climbed Soldier Mountain at 5.30 in the morning. But maybe the most competitive thing I have ever done at a camp, was beat Rand Hummel in a belly flop contest in the wilds of New England. And I will tell you, Rand has, well, of course, there's a reason why I've beaten Rand every year, but I always beat him. And then I've been at the fun time and been in the fun time at Camp Kobiak, and my memory of Southland, I sprained my knee playing big ball out here, and it just kind of ruined the whole week for me. No, I didn't, but amen. But I just looked out, I looked at that directory, and I just, I'm like, I had some great moments of memory memories at all of these camps. So tonight, um, I have two opportunities to speak to you in general session. And tonight is for you. Tonight is all about you and your walk with God. And tonight I just want to talk to you about tasting it before serving it. Because you know what, we're in ministry. And if we're in ministry, man, I'll tell you, we don't have a public ministry if we don't have a private life with God. So tonight, all I want to do is talk to you about your private life with the Lord Jesus Christ and just, just encourage you, challenge you and stimulate you in your walk with the Lord. We're going to talk about devotions. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what I do in my devotions. I want to talk to you about, matter of fact, I think, by the way, you got that Psalm 34? Let's look at verse eight for just a moment. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I've entitled this message. I got to tell you something funny. I entitled this message, Taste It Before Serving It. I've never preached it before. And uh, I had it written out this weekend. And I was studying it on the plane. And I left my outline in the little thing in, the, in my seat. But I think I remember everything. <laughs> So I said, you know what? When that happens, you just go, you know what, Lord? I had all these really cool alliterated points. And I think God just said, you know what? Don't worry about all the alliteration. Just really help them tonight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what we want to do. Let's practice. Let's say the verse together, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. I believe, though, I did get this. So I remembered my three major points. Taste it before serving it. There's three ways you got to do that. Number one, you got to have the right priorities you will never taste it before and this is how you taste it before serving it in camp you got to have the right priorities you got to have the right power it's not program man it's god's power and number 3 you got to have the right prize and you're going to love that one you got to have the right reward you got to be going for the right prize so uh, let's all say psalm 34:8 together everybody stand and this is your time to move forward if you'd like to be right with god okay psalm 34:8 we'll say it all together we'll have a word of prayer and we'll start off with taste it before serving it. Camp workers, you got to taste it before you can ever serve it. Everyone together, Psalm thirty-four eight. And if you're not loud enough, you will do it again. Okay, Psalm thirty-four eight. Okay. All right, stop, stop. Okay, that was terrible. Okay, now I dro- I flew, I drove, I flew all the way from Seattle today. I expect more than that out of all of you guys. I think I've came the farthest, okay? So everyone together, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, patience, see
0: that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him.
1: Father, I pray that every one of these ministers, every one of these servants of God, tonight would see the importance before they're giving it out to all these campers all these people coming for all these little weekends. God, may we taste it before we serve it. Lord, I pray this in my own life. God, may I never stand up in front of a group of young people or a church or anywhere, not tasted what I'm giving out. And Lord, may these camp workers, directors, assistants, program, whatevers, God, may they have tasted and seen that you are good before they're going to stand in front of a group of people and try to minister to them. So tonight, Father, is us in you and our walk and our relationship with you. When we got saved, we got saved from a religion, and now we got relationship. Lord, may we cherish that relationship, and may we learn some ways to develop that walk with you. May all of us never minister Never serve it out until we've tasted it ourselves. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and camp workers said, you may be seated. It was about 4.45 in the afternoon. I was going home. I was pastor of the campus church at Pensacola Christian College, and I was coming down from the fourth floor of the administration building, and um, everyone pretty much was gone. And I got off the elevator and I was walking past the information desk and a college girl came out of, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but a college girl came out of a, what is called the culinary arts lab, otherwise known as home ec. And she's coming out. She didn't see me and she's coming out. And as she's coming out, she's got, she's got a paper plate and on that paper plate is a mound of chocolate chip cookies and she's walking out. So I thought I'd walk up to her. And I said, hey, how you doing? She told her, oh, Pastor Shalom. I said, hey, what you got there? And she got real skittish. She thought I was going to steal her cookies, you know. She said, cookies? I said, you just make them in there? She said, yeah. I said, are they still warm? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want any of her cookies. I just want to talk to her a little bit. And I said, what kind of cookies are they? Chocolate chip. And I'm going like, okay, this girl's freaking out that I'm going to stake her cookies. And I said, well, I hope they're good. And I went on my way. Next morning, I had some hospital visits to make. And after I made the hospital visits, I came into my office. And when I walked into my office, there on the desk was a paper plate with a mound of cookies and a note on top. Now, I got to tell you something. When I came in and I saw that, I didn't think, oh, bless God, that girl got right with God. I didn't even think about it. I was not thinking about that girl. I didn't think about those cookies. And I went over and I picked up the note that was on top of, the, of that plate of cookies. And I opened it up and it said this. Dear Pastor Shatler, I'm the girl that you saw coming out of the culinary arts lab. I went, oh, man, that girl gave me these cookies. And it continued on. She said, these are chocolate chip mint cookies. I never had made them before. So I wasn't sure how good they were. And I didn't want you to have one until I tasted it. I tasted them. They were pretty good. Pastor, I hope you enjoy them. I took the note. I took my Bible. I walked over to the couch in my office. I put my Bible down, and I put the note down, and I got on my knees, and I said, Oh, God, if a girl won't give me a cookie before she tastes it, would to God that I never stand up and preach before I taste what I give. And I want to tell you something, camp workers. Would to God you never... Step foot on the property of your camp to serve if you haven't tasted the Lord yourself. If you haven't tasted it, man, don't serve it out because it won't come out right. I I teach homiletics at West Coast, and I'm going to tell you this. I tell them more than anything else. You guys think it's all about delivery and all about this and all about that. Let me tell you something. You know, change your preaching is when you taste it before you serve it. And I just want to tell you something, camp directors. You guys are in a ministry that just, it's either fa- fast, you know, feast or famine. You know, I mean, you, you guys are just going all the time. And during those periods of time, it is imperative that you taste it before you're serving it out to the campers or who, whatever it is. If it's a ladies weekend, a, a men's retreat or whatever it is, taste it before serving it. Well, you say, okay, brother, so that's a great point. How do you do that? So I got three ways. Number one, have the right priorities. You will never taste it before serving it if you don't have the right priorities. And the only two I can remember that I wrote down, the only two, uh, but I think it was the only two that God wanted me to give you tonight under this point, is have the right priorities, your relationship with God, and your reason why you're in ministry. Let's look, first of all, at your relationship with God. And you know what? You got to have something going on behind the curtain before you got anything going on in front of the curtain. And you gotta have that relationship with the Lord. And I wanna talk to you about my devotions. For just a moment, take your Bibles and turn to, man, I just got so many, turn to Hebrews chapter five. Yep, Hebrews chapter five, that's where I want you to go. So listen to this in Hebrews five. And as you're turning to Hebrews five, in Joshua chapter five, uh, chapter four and five, I guess, There are four major events that happen with Israel after they crossed the Jordan River. They come to a place called Gilgal. And in in order for them to be victorious in the land that they're about to uh, take over, there's four events that occur. Number one, they build an altar. They build an altar of, really it's a memorial. They build a memorial to remember what God did in that place. By the way... How many rocks were on that? Uh, how many rocks were on that uh, that memorial? How many? Twelve. Twelve. How many tribes are there? 12. No, there's thirteen. There's thirteen tribes. Okay, remember that. We're coming back to that at the very end of this thing. Okay, but there's thirteen tribes. Remember, Joseph had two boys, Manasseh, Ephraim. There's thirteen, but there's only twelve rocks on the memorial. We'll come back to that later. So they build a memorial. Then number two, they have Passover. They haven't had Passover for 39 years. This is only the third time they've ever celebrated Passover. They had it the night of the Passover. They had it one year later, and they haven't had it ever since. 39 years. So now they're going to restore and get revived by having Passover again and remember what God had done. Number three, but it's important. They get circumcised, all the young men. All the men that have wandered in the wilderness that never got circumcised, they all get circumcised. By the way, that is interesting. Because you think about that. They were totally vulnerable to every nation for about a week. Every one of their soldiers were recovering from surgery. Any nation could have came down and wiped out Israel during that time. But God says, You ain't going nowhere until you get circumcised and repent of the way that you lived in the wilderness. So they had circumcision, they had Passover. They built a memorial. Does anyone remember what other event occurred to Gilgal? Actually, anyone? Actually, when I say this, some hands may go up. Actually, does anyone know what it was? Manna. Manna ceases. And when I was reading that for the very first time in my life, I went like, oh, man, no more Snickers bars, you know, no more manna. And they, the manna ceased. Best thing that ever happened for Israel. Because now, it wasn't God feeding them. Now they had to live off of the land that they lived in. And I got to tell you something. You got to take personal responsibility for your own walk with the Lord. By the way, if you think you're going to make it spiritually by the speakers you have come into your camp, whoa, you are in big trouble spiritually you got to get your own food. And now they had to start living off the land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. No longer am I going to provide manna, you're going to get your own manna. But now we look over at Hebrews chapter 5. This is really good. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, yeah, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, come on, workers, camp workers, ye have need that one teach you again. You know, it's not that you weren't taught these things. It's that you didn't do something with what you got. And I want to get this to you. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong, uh, need of milk and not of strong meat man, I got to give you a little milk. You know what? Some of you can't handle the meat of the word because of where we are spiritually. Look at verse 13. Now, this is really good. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word, uh, in the word of righteousness, for he's, he's a babe. But look at this. But strong meat, I'm going to need your help, so help me out here. But strong meat Belong it to them that are of full age, complete. teleostei. It is finished, you know, full age. perfect, complete, mature. them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of everyone together, what's the next word? Use, have their senses. Everyone together, what's the next word? Greek word. Gymnasium. That's the Greek word, gymnasium. Brother Sheller, not sure where you're headed. Well, I'll tell you exactly where I'm headed. I won't have you. I won't have you raise your hand if I ask today how many of you read the Bible every day. I would imagine the majority, if not almost all of you, would raise your hand. Hopefully, that would be true. But guys, reading the Bible every day doesn't do it. Yeah, you're right, Brother Sheller. And this is very true. I was hoping you were going to go to Joshua chapter one and verse eight. We need to meditate on the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all about that. There is a a rudiment that chew on it. That's where you get your nourishment. I'm all about that. I'm all about that meditation. You have got to meditate on the word of God. You can't just look. And you know, I'll tell you one way you meditate on the word of God. Look up definitions of words. Never do I have my, never. No, 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 100% statement. Never do I have my devotions in the morning that I do not define at least one word. The key to understanding any passage of Scripture is the definition of words. And we, by the way, when I talk, people, you you say, I'm not connecting with people. A lot of times people don't know what we're saying because they don't have the definitions of the words. When we teach, we should define words that we're using. And I'm telling you this, we read our devotions every day and we don't meditate on them. We don't define words, but that's not even the key here though but I'm telling you, you ought to define words every day. I don't care what source you use. Devotions is like sprinklers. There's all kinds of, you know, there's, 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 there's all kinds of different sprinklers, but there's one common denominator with all sprinklers. They all give water. I don't care what method you use in devotions, but you do need to get something that's got water on you. But listen, this, this is so good. You guys, I couldn't talk to you. I couldn't give you meat. I got to give you milk. And you know why? It's not that you don't know things. It's that you don't exercise. You don't exercise what you have just learned in your devotions. Okay, here it goes. Never have a time alone with God that you don't have a takeaway, that you don't have a personal application to whatever you just read. All right, so think about this for a minute. Can you imagine if we, if we, we, we talk to some you know, person, you know a big person and whatever, you know they're, they're kind of maybe a little overweight or whatever, like me, I guess, I don't know. And, uh, and uh, well, what if he came up to me? and, and, uh, and I said to you, "Hey, you know, uh, I know I don't know you that well, but do you know what I've been doing for the last six months? Well, what's that? I, I go to the gym every day. You do. Yeah, I go to the gym every day. How long do you stay there? I stay there an hour and a half. I stay at the gym for an hour and a half. Brother Shetler, you go to the gym every day? I do. (laughs) Can't you tell? No. Yeah, I go go an hour and a half. What time do you go? 5.30 in the morning. I never miss. Man, I'm there. I'm telling you, every day I'm at the gym 5.30 to 7. Every day. I never miss a day. Brother Shetler, like, what do you do when you get to the gym? Oh, I walk around. I walk around. Well, do you like ever use any of the equipment? Oh no, oh, 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 no, 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 no. I never use any of the equipment. We second. Brother said, stop, 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 stop. Do you pay for this? Oh yeah, I do. I pay for it. No, wait a second. You go every morning to the gym, you're there for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all you do is walk around the different equipment. Yeah. You never exercise with the equipment. Yeah, no, no, I never, never do no, no, never do that. That, that could hurt, you know, that could be a little sore. No, 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 I just walk around the gym. Well, Brother Sean, can I share this with you? If you're not going to use any of the equipment, you're not going to change. Let me tell you something, camp workers. Some of you can spend an hour in the Word of, hey, Brother Shella, do this. Park there for a while, man. Man, this thing on devotions, these people need to start having their God and I time. Man, they need to start having, hey, well, let me ask you about your God and I time. What do you take away from your God night time? Do you exercise anything after you're done reading the word of God? Because I'm going to tell you something. You're not tasting it before you're serving it. If you're not taking anything away from God's word every day, I'm telling you, you're not looking at a spiritual giant here at all. But I will tell you this. I do not read my Bible, that I do not define a word, at least one. And I don't take a takeaway you know what? I got to work on this today. That's my exercise for the day. And if we want this personal relationship with God, man, we got to taste it before we serve. We got to utilize it. We got to exercise it as well. Man, it is so important that we're not just hearers of the word or readers of the word, but that we're actually in the word doing things. Now, let me tell you something about devotions you got to have a set time. You got to have a set place. Now, this is what else is cool. I wrote down my little list of all the things I did at the camps. I can tell you every one of those camps. I can tell you where I meet with God when I'm there for the week to speak. I can tell you the place I have my devotions. Some are at lakes. Some are at picnic areas. Some are back there. My place here at Southland is this back dock right back here along that edge, looking out over the lake every morning. That's where I'm at. At this, You got to have a set place. You got to have a set time. If you're going to taste it before serving it, hey, camp workers, we have this little t- scheduled time in our little programs at our camps called God and I time. How's your God and I time doing? Are you tasting it before serving it? Because I'm going to tell you something. If we're not spending time alone with God, if there's not our own time with the Lord, how in the world are we going to minister at these camps? It doesn't matter what great skits we come up with if we haven't spent our own time with the Lord and exercised something every day, your relationship with God. But I want to tell you something else. We'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, but there's two things I think that is right now your priorities. Number one priority. You have nothing that is more important than your walk and your relationship with God. There is nothing you do on that campground. There is nothing you do in your position that is more important than your walk and your relationship with God. That has got to be your priority. My walk, my relationship, my time alone with God comes before everything else. You've got to believe that. Number two, your reason. Now, this is really interesting. Because this is going to be the filter for all your priorities. Now, if you ask me the three greatest treasures that I have in my life, number one is my relationship with the Lord. Number two is my wife, Mary Lee, and my boys and their wives and my grandkids, my family. But let me tell you what number three is. It's my calling. My calling is what gets me out of bed every day. My calling is why I travel to Seattle and come to Shreveport. My calling, I believe right now at this point in my life, I believe my calling is equipping the saints. I am consumed with it. I am passionate about it. I know this is what God has called me to. Now you hear this. I don't care what you do at your camp. I don't care if you're in charge of the food service. I don't care if you're the accountant at your camp. I don't care if you're the program director. I don't care if you're the director. I don't care what you do at your camp. Do you know that you're called at that camp to do what God's have you to do right now? Do you know that you are called there? Is there a desire where you're at right now? Is there something, you know what? I, I know I'm not in the church. I know I'm in a para-church ministry here. But Brother Shetler, I know God's called me to camp work. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know you're called, all of your priorities of what you're doing at your camp will not be right. You will not have the right priorities if you don't know God has called me to this. Now that I know that God has called me to that, everything filters through that. This is my calling. This is what God wants me to do. Therefore, I am doing this for God. So it doesn't matter what the activity is. It doesn't matter what. This is a God thing. That's what will give you your priorities. You will taste it before serving it. In order for that to occur, number one, you got to have the right priorities. Number two, you have to have the right power. Let me tell you this. Power doesn't come from Enthusiasm. Power doesn't come from excitement or energy. If you're going to have the right power at your camp, it's got to come from God. And I want to give you something. I believe there's a three-step process to get God's power. If you want the power of God in your ministry and in your life, I think it's a three-step process. Number one, clean up your sin. Clean up your sin. So I'm in Dallas today. I get a phone call from a pastor that I'm gonna be with this weekend. We're doing a mental health conference. We're doing a Friday through a Sunday mental health conference. We're from everywhere, anxiety, stress, bitterness, whatever. We're doing a mental health thing. Pastor calls me. He said, Brother Scheller, I think it's providential that you're gonna be here this weekend. I said, why is that? I just lost my youth pastor. Like, how'd you lose them? We had someone come in and check our IT system. Our youth pastor has been looking at pornography for probably the four years he's been here. It's all through his computer. I'm going over to his house. I don't think I want to cancel the weekend. I said, no, 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 I don't cancel the weekend. But we're going to have to probably deal with some things on Sunday and announcing some things. I said, that's good. No, that's good it'll all work out, you know, it's good. And I'm walking on the, around the gates around Dallas and I'm thinking, Lord, you know what? You're never gonna have the power of God in your life if you got sin in your life. And i will just tell you this, camp directors, you're in ministry. And if you're gonna be in ministry, you gotta stay clean. You never go to a restaurant. You never go to a restaurant that you sit down and you pick up the fork and there's goop between the little forky things. You never eat with that fork. Uh Uh-uh, you do not. Hey, waitress, waitress, can I get another fork? Oh, I am so sorry. We did not see that. I am so sorry, right? You've never picked up a, a utensil and go like, yeah, man, that looks good. No, if it's got crud all over it, you're getting another utensil. Well, then why do we think our God is any different? You think God's going to use a, 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 a dirty vessel? Now, you got to get it right. I was playing church softball. I played church softball for about nine years. When I first started, we played in an industrial league. There was no other churches in the league. It was just, it was, it, it was, a, you know, it was a good league. I started out as shortstop. And after that year, they moved me over to second base. And the next year they moved me to first base. Going, I'm going the right way here. Next year they said, hey, Pastor, would you mind being our pitcher? Yeah, sure. Why? Why don't you just think you do a good job of pitching? Okay. Next year I pitch. No lie. Next year I'm catching. Next year. I'm the designated hitter and I'm designated hitter not, not like number three, four in the lineup designated hitter, eight, nine, or 10 in the lineup. Okay. But they said, no, pastor, we want you to stay on the team. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we say, "Now this is a pretty good, it's pretty good league. And, and so I said, you know what, if all I'm, all I'm going to stink and do is be the designated hitter, I'm going for the fence. Every time I get up, I'm going all the way. So I got, uh, every time I got up there, man, I just went, I just went for the fence. I didn't make it all the time, but I had a lot of fun. But I'm up there the one time and we're playing this industrial team. It's a bunch of Navy guys. I don't know what they're doing. I think they hired them because it's like this company doesn't do anything with the Navy, but these are all Navy guys on this team. Okay, So I think they sponsored them or whatever and they're really good. And I remember the guy pitches and he slipped out of his hand or whatever. He gives me this flat pitch. I'm going, oh, oh, oh. And I just cranked it and I, it's going when it, it doesn't go over the fence, it hits the fence, but it's still rising when it hits the fence. I'm going like, this is like the best hit I've ever gotten in my life, but it hits the fence. Well, there's a reason why I'm the designated hitter. I'm pretty slow at this point in my life, okay? This is the 90s, and I'm in the four, I'm in my 40s, you know, and I'm not going too fast. But I am not getting a single off that hit. There's no way I'm getting a single off that hit. It hit the fence and they're relaying it in there. And I get the first, and they see my team sees me turn to turn. They're going for a second. And everyone gets up. Go, Pastor, go! I'm going, I'm trying. I'm trying. And I realize it's coming in, and I'm going to have to slide. Only one thing that night, because I never slide, because I never run. Either it's a home run, or I'm out. I had shorts on that night. And I come into second base, and I slide. Ball comes in, and I am... Safe. <laughs> What's with you, man? What camp do you have, man? But I'm safe. And I get up, and I have ripped the strawberry on my side. And I'm, oh, and my team is, there your way to go, man? Even the, the, the shortstop of the second base, hey, way to go, Rev. That was a good hit, Rev. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I get home that night. I get in the shower. I get in the shower. I put a little water. Oh, <laughs> oh. That ain't working. That ain't working. And I don't clean it all out. About four days later, my wife says, Jim, come here for a second. What? I see your leg. No. Jim, come here. No. Jim, turn. Jim, what? I don't think I got it all out. <laughs> oh and my wife gets this funny smile on her face and she says go get the cotton balls in the hydrogen peroxide no 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 oh good being a wimp come on I went, oh it's not your leg oh she comes over she pours a big snowball you know and she's rubbing it in ah 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 but you know what i got two legs today because my wife cleaned it out now let me tell you something Some of you guys are fiddling around with your sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Lord, I just want to say I'm sorry for that. Okay, we're good. Let's go. You know what? Some of you need some deep cleaning. Some of you need to break up the follow ground. You know know how you get the power of God? You get right with God. When you clean it up, man, and you get right with God, there becomes a power in your life when you are right with God. Number two, cry out for help, Lord. You know what the problem is? All so, so stand up. If you've been in camp work for more than five years, stand up, you've been in camp work for more than five years. Stand up. Stay standing if you've been in camp work for more than 10 years. Stay standing if you've been in camp work for more than 15 years. Whoa, stay standing if you have been in camp work for more than 20 years that's unbelievable. Stay standing. If you've been in camp work for more than 130 years, no, no. If you've been in camp work for more than 25 years. Okay. Everybody sit down. That's amazing. Give those people a hand, by the way. Amen. All right. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. After five years in camp work, you don't have to cry out to God. You guys got it, right? I mean, you've been doing this. i have been doing this for 15 years, Brother Sheller. Let me tell you something. You know what your camp has lost? The power of God. And I'll tell you why your camp's lost the power of God. You haven't cried out. You haven't needed it. God, help us. You haven't stepped out of your comfort zone for a decade. You haven't. How many, how many of you have been in camp work For less than three years, raise your hand, less than three years. You know how to cry out to God, don't you? (laughs) You do. And I would imagine you've seen God work in an amazing way. Let me tell you something, folks. We need the power of God back in our ministries. We have so been able to program things. We've been so able to do things slick, and we got the best facilities. Hey, you know what? We got the zip line now. We got it, man. We have now arrived at camp. No, you arrive at camp when God's power starts coming down on those young people. You arrive at camp when you start seeing God do things that you said to God, that was a God thing. We didn't know how this is going to happen. And we cried out. Yeah, let me tell you something. You need the right power. Clean up your sin. Cry out for help. You know, I just, I love that James 1, five. If any man lack wisdom, that would be me. No verse in the Bible is quoted more in my office in 42 years of ministry than James 1.5. I never start a counseling session without praying out loud, James 1 5. If any man lack wisdom, that would be me. Let him ask of God who give it to all men liberally, and it brighteth not. He doesn't chide you but let them ask in faith, nothing wavering. And you cry out to God, God, I lack, our camp lacks, we lack. I'm asking and I'm believing. Boy, cry out to God if you want his power. Clean up your sin. Cry out for help. And number three, charge forward in faith. Charge forward in faith. I just love this guy, Joshua. I think Joshua is the greatest book in the Bible for college students, and I love teaching the book. But Joshua, by the way, how many tribes are there? <laughs> so, don't be saying 12 still, buddy. There's 13 tribes, okay? There's 13 tribes. By the way, how many tribes are there in the book of Revelation? You guys, oh, you're like, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying There's 12. There's twelve dan's I don't know we don't know what happened to Dan there, but anyways, Joshua chapter ten, Joshua chapter Ten, listen to this. I don't love this, okay, so in Joshua chapter one, it's like Joshua is scared to death, like Moses is dead, and all chapter one of Joshua is this, hey, Josh, Josh, Moses is dead, but I am not. you don't need Moses, you need me, yeah. I understand that, but I'm a little, but by Joshua chapter 10, he's got this now. He's preaching to the people in Joshua 10, the way God preached to him in chapter one. It's the coolest thing. So in Joshua chapter 10, he's in the Northern part and he's got all these nations. This is a bigger deal than Jericho. I'm done. This is probably the greatest miracle in the book of Joshua and maybe in the entire old Testament. I'm serious. He's in the middle of the day and he's going, God. What we've got to do and what's got to happen, you're going to have to have the sun stand still. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, God's not going to answer. Yeah, he did. He did. What an audacious prayer. He charged forward with faith. And he said, God, if I'm going to do this work that you've called me to do at this camp, you're going to have to have the sun stand still. And I will tell you, I think that we don't see the power of God because we're not—we're asking little diddly stuff in our prayer. I'm not trying to go and keep giving the diddly stuff. I give everything. I ask for everything. I ask for the right kind of hamburger today. Okay, I ask for everything, but I am going to tell you something: we're not. What our God is pretty small by just the things that we ask for. And don't ask hazy, man. Get specific with your requests. Go to God with something that only God could do at your camp. This week, while you're here, walk around this camp. Get alone with God and ask God for something that would be a God thing. Lord, you know what we need. And I'm going to charge forth in faith. And for your namesake, for your glory, God, would you be willing to do this in our ministry, in our camp? I'm not going to tell anyone what it is. By the way, though, it is interesting. All of Israel heard Joshua say that. Josh, you know, where Joshua said, God, i got to have the sun stand still. Can you imagine the other Israelites around like, yeah, well, he's done a lot, but I don't think he's going to do that. God st- had the sun stand still. That's the power of God. If you're going to see the power of God, you got to clean up your sin. you you, you got to cry out for help. You got to charge forward in faith. I got one more thing, and I'm done. You, in in order to to taste it before serving it, you have to have the right priorities. You got to have the right power, and you got to have the right prize. Everybody now, so we can finally figure this whole thing out on the tribes. Everybody now, go to Joshua chapter thirteen. So, when I teach the class, I tell the young people, I tell the college students, I say, "Now I got to tell you something." My favorite verse in the book really doesn't have much to do with the book, but it's my favorite verse in the book. And so when we get there, they, they, they ask me every class, hey, Dr. Shetler, is this, is this the day we find? No, 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 not yet, not yet. So the first 10 chapters of Joshua are as exciting as it ever gets. It's them overcoming the land, and that's exciting stuff. But come on, and this is where most of our ministries are. Chapter 11. To Chapter 24 is occupying the land. Can I tell you, it's not nearly as cool to occupy it as it it is to overcome. But most of our Christian experience is more occupying than overcoming. But anyway, so we got, now we're in the occupying land. So before we even occupy, we got to divide it all up. Now, I know it didn't happen this way, but let me have it, okay? Let me just do it, all right? Kevin, let me just have it this way, all right? I know it didn't happen this way. So we got the how many tribes... 13. We got 13 tribes. How many pe- portions of land were there? How many portions did Joshua divide it up? Joshua, how many portions? 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So picture with it. It didn't happen this way, Kevin, but just hold on with it, okay? Is the car? Come forward. Hey, yeah, uh, where do we got? We, is the car? I'm gonna put you over by the Mediterranean. You're gonna be over here. This is gonna be your Simeon. come forward. You're gonna be just uh, just on the other side of Judah by Bethlehem, and you're gonna have this land down in the Hebron, and you're gonna have this land. Dan, you're gonna have the north up there. You're gonna love putting the orchards up there, it's beautiful up there, and you're gonna have that. And they start dividing up the land. Well, there's one tribe. Well, this takes care you of know, the north. Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they're like on the other side of Jordan. they they got that, they got the they got the east. And then they all the tribes are over here, and you, you got Judah, and you, you got Benjamin, and they're in the middle, and you got the... There's no property left. Everything's taken. The north is taken. The east is taken. The west is taken. The south is taken. You all know. Joshua calls up the tribe of Levi. Yeah, Levi didn't get to put a rock at the memorial. Wow. that kind of like cutting them out, huh? No, no. Yeah. Le- Le- Levi doesn't get a piece of property. You hear this camp workers. You hear this people that are in ministry. Tribe of Levi, come forward. Yeah. Tribe of Levi, come forward. What are you going to give us the Dead Sea? What do we got? There's nothing left. What do we get the Mediterranean? You're going to give us boats? What do we got? Tribe of Levi. Look at the last verse of chapter 33. It's my favorite verse in the book of Joshua. But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not an inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance as he said unto them. Okay, so this is like the coolest point of the night. This is so cool. What is the prize being in camp work, Brother Scheller. Thursday night at the campfire, man, hearing those testimonies. Oh, buddy, I am so with you. I am right with you. But let me tell you something. That is not the prize of ministry, guys. Man, seeing those buses come in on Monday, man. Did it, it, you just? That's just a high that's just like nothing else. Friday, Saturday, when they leave, that's like really high too. That's a, that's a pretty good time too. Jim, seeing those lives change in that week, that's just a prize. That is not the prize. Let me tell you what the prize of ministry is. I've been in ministry for 42 years. The prize isn't a big church. I've been there. That's on television. Yeah. Prizes in heaven, being a part of a college and being a big college professor. No, no. I'll tell you the prize of ministry it's Jesus. Jesus is the prize of ministry. So I took this, uh, I close with this. I, I, I took this mission trip to Scotland, me and a, a lawyer in my church, his name is Gary. And uh, Gary and I, we went over to Scotland, we saw this missionary, Wayne Searcy, and, and we were there for 10 days. It was kind of weird. Uh, we went in January, so you know it's going to be rainy in Scotland. But guys, I never saw the sun in 10 days. Like, I'm a sun person. I got to see the sun. And I didn't see it for 10 days. I'm going, like, I don't think I could be a missionary in Scotland. It was just kind of, it didn't rain all the time, but it was just cloudy all the time. So um, we were at a place called Tweed Bank, right next to Gla- Glasgow. And uh, Wayne says to me, he says, Hey, Jim, Gary, would you guys like to go see the, the, the castle in Edinburgh? Yeah, it sounds cool. Let's do it, man. So one day we we, we drove all the way to Edinburgh. And and on the way there, we're, we're looking out. We see the fields, you know, the beautiful green field. Everything was green, I'll tell you that. And the stone fences. And you saw a bunch of sheep and a lot of places and everything, you know. And it was really cool. And as we're driving, I look out and there's a shepherd. There's a shepherd out in the field, but not with the sheep. The shepherds out in the field with the Shelties. The shepherds training the sheepdogs, and I said, "Wait, wait, stop,
0: stop, 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 stop,
1: stop, stop! stop. Wait, what, what, what? I gotta go talk to that shepherd. What are you talking about?" I said, "I just in the states. I just finished a book by this guy Philip Keller, Lessons from a Sheepdog." and it's all about, like, like, a pastor is like a sheepdog, and it's all these lessons, like, th- this is what a sheep, because the, the true shepherd of the church is Jesus, and we're just like sheepdogs, and it was a great book, but I got to make sure this guy knew what he was talking about, you know, was he kind of, like, embellishing it, so I said, I got to talk to the shepherd, and he, and he pulled over the side, and I come running out there, and when I came out, it was a stone fence, and then it was a sunken down ground, about maybe about six, eight feet down. And I came over to the stone fence, and I said, shepherd, shepherd. And the shepherd turned around. And when the shepherd turned around, I went, uh uh-uh. it was a woman. And I wasn't expecting that. And I went, like, shepherd I don't know, you know. <laughs> I, 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 so, she, so she comes over, and she's got six, seven Shelties following her. A- a- and I said, shepherd, uh, I'm from America. <laughs> as if I had to tell her that. <laughs> I'm from America and I'm a pastor in the United States. And I just read a book that pastoring was like being a sheltie. Would you mind if I asked you a few questions? Oh, she was excited. And I would tell her something about the book and she would agree and affirm. And then she would even expand it. I'm going like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And then I would say something else from the book. And she would, and it was, we went on for about 15, 20 minutes and everything Philip Keller said was right on. And I said, ma'am, thank you so much for your time. And I started walking away. And when I started walking away, she says, reverend, reverend. And I said, yes, ma'am. You didn't ask me the most important of all the questions. I said, I said, what, ma'am? You didn't ask me the most important of all the questions. I said, what's that, ma'am? She said, you never asked me what's the prize for the Sheltie? I said, the what? What's the prize for the sheltie? I said, no, ma'am, I didn't. What's the prize for the sheltie? She said, oh, at the end of the day, we take the sheep and we put the sheep into the fold. But the sheltie, the sheltie gets to come in with the shepherd. So the sheltie does what they do because they get to be with the shepherd. The sheep we put into the fold. Oh, but the sheltie comes in the house with the shepherd. And I said, thanks, man. That's really cool. And I get back in the car and we start going to Edinburgh. And as we're going to Edinburgh, I'm looking at all these flocks of sheep and everything we're driving. And I remember what that lady said. And I started thinking, whoa, how many times have you ever been disappointed in the ministry, Jim? A lot, like like every Sunday night. (laughs) Jim, why do you get disappointed in the ministry? my prize is the sheep. You know, every time I put my prize as the sheep, I get disappointed. Sheep will disappoint you. Campers, is not where you want to go, guys. But staff is. No, staff will mess you up too.
0: I'll
1: tell you what. In my next general session, I'm going to tell you how important camp ministry is in America today. Because it's the coolest place I go to in, the, my, in 52 weeks out of the year. My seven weeks at camp are the best seven weeks of my whole year. But I want to tell you something. The prize for ministry isn't seeing an altar full of teenagers. The prize of ministry. Guys, we didn't get property. We got a person. When you decided to give your life to full-time ministry at a camp, your prize is not campers. Your prize is Jesus. Guys, we have an opportunity to have a walk and a relationship with God that no one else has. I'm not saying that engineers can't live for God. I'm not saying that physical therapists can't be all out for God and be spirit-filled. But I am telling you this. You guys are in full-time ministry. It's your profession. And let me tell you what your prize is. Your prize isn't getting a little... cat. Oh, we just moved up to another place on the campground. That's not your prize. Boy, we got more campers this summer than we've ever had. That's not your prize. Your prize is your walk and fellowship and relationship with God. Man, I wanna just tell you something. You guys are in ministry. Taste it before serving it. If you don't have the serve the Lord with gladness. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, man, I don't want kids going to your property. Have you tasted it? Guys, I am, I am not telling you a lie. I took that note, I went over to that couch, and I put it down, and I knelt down, and I said, God, a girl doesn't make cookies without tasting them before she gives them to me? God, may I never serve you that I haven't tasted you first. Taste it, workers, before serving it. Man, and I will tell you, there will be something going on at your camp if your staff and your director has tasted the Lord in the morning. Man, I got to tell you, you're going to serve it up, man. Those kids will know there is something going on at this piece of property. Taste it
0: before serving. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Southland Podcast. It is our prayer that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have never experienced salvation through Christ alone, would you please reach out to us? You can contact us through our website at www.southlandcamp.org or call our camp office at 318-894-9154. See you next time on the Southland Podcast.